You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. What's wrong with it? I love the fact that people can't stand it. Yeah. Or that a lot I of people can't stand it. It's yeah. great. Mackey and Judd. If you'd voted for Donald Trump, you can't stand it. Yes. Right. Yes, you're right. convinced this is the worst thing ever to happen <laughs> yes, in sport. Right. On yeah. 1500 ESPN. It's my Just privilege say, to welcome you to Canton, Ohio, <laughs> which will be your new home for the rest of time. Okay? <laughs> and Randy, I want to thank you for all you've done for the game, for all you're going to do for the game. <laughs> Okay, Randy, and I want to thank you so much uh, because this is going to be the beginning of your journey, not the end of your football career. We're going to put a gold jacket on you. We're going to give you a bronze bust. We're going to give you a ring of excellence. Okay, and the things you're going to do with that are incredible. You're going to change people's lives just like this is going to change your life. Thank you, Mr. This dominant wide receiver on the end zone, holding in the second most receiving touchdowns of all time and the most in a single season. Going by the singular name of Mouse. You think a percent chance Carter is the one that inducts him this summer? I think it's incredibly small. I don't think it's going to be Carter. He didn't even I'm thank Chris Carter. Out. He was on at 9 o'clock from the IDS Tower yesterday, live yep. on ESPN. Yep. And he spent... An hour. They were in and out of conversations. Never once did he mention Chris Carter's name. I don't think it's going to be Chris Carter. Now, I saw a speculation that, that Maria, Maria or Marie, Marie Green, Denny's wife, might be the person. Okay. Which would which would make sense because if Denny was still alive, I think he's a slam dunk. The traffic cop? How about the traffic cop? I got some great suggestions. I tweeted that out on uh, Saturday. I said, who should induct Moss? I got I got the traffic cop. <laughs> I got the friend whose hooch was in his was in the car when when he got uh, pulled o- over by the Joe car. Buck would be a great. When he got in trouble. Yeah, I Gus got Tanucci. I got a Gus bunch. Gus yeah. yes. Yeah, I got Gus Tanucci <laughs> yeah, as well. It's an easy one. I got a lot of them. <laughs> uh, he there there was never a wider. The one thing he can say, and and Jerry Rice can sort of say this too, but Randy Moss for sure can say there was never another wide receiver like me until I came in the league. That when he got to the league, he was. The league had been around for 80 years, almost 80 years, when Randy Moss entered the end. So almost a century of professional football. Mm-hmm. And never before in almost a century had anyone seen a wide receiver like him. His arrival in the league, to me, uh, marks the change of it going from being a really good passing league to being a great passing league, right? I mean, he was the first guy who came along and basically played football as basketball at times. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I— when you watched Moss in 98, there were several games. The game at Lambeau, the game uh, Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, where you could immediately say, and this this is the remarkable thing, you could immediately say in his rookie year, he is changing the way this game is played. Yeah. And it's great. It's way more fun, by the way. Yeah, they showed us, so they do the You Got Moss segment on Countdown, and it's usually Randy Moss narrating and picking out different great catches from around college football and pro football. And they just did a special while he was bawling his eyes out on TV because he's just so emotional about it. Yep. And and they showed the five greatest you got mossed. And I thought there was a couple that probably should have been in there that weren't. 
But the catch he made against the Packers in 1998 at Lambeau Field, two defenders, and he just jumps up over the top of one of them and yes. grabs the ball over their face mask. And it's not a good pass. He, no, it's not. That, that's it's a great terrible thing. pass. Randall Cunningham was lofting the ball into the air, and sometimes it looked like a punt. Yes. And every time, he would catch it. They showed, of the five plays, I would say, if not all five, four of them were just horrible passes under mm-hmm. most circumstances. Mm-hmm. But you just shrug your shoulders and say, if you got a Randy Moss or a Calvin Johnson uh, maybe a Julio Jones, you just put the ball up and they'll grab it somehow, even if there's three defenders. His ability, his abilities to adjust his route in mid-flight was the best I've ever seen. Yeah, this was uh, one of the cool moments on Countdown yesterday. They played some voicemails, I think off of his phone maybe. They just grabbed some of the voicemails for people leaving messages for him. And they played one from Jerry Rice, and then his reaction was sort of unexpected. So I'll play this little... Uh, Back and forth here. I mean, when you play the position, and uh, he's he's the guy that we're aiming for. Yeah. And so uh, it just felt good just to play a 14-year career and just to hear from Jerry Rice. It, it really was. So uh, I'm just I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all gotta forgive no, me. No, hey, don't apologize hey. for that. It's, yeah. it just, it's just hey. been a, it's just been a long journey, man. Yeah. And, Shout out to everybody back in West Virginia, man. Back in my country hometown around West Virginia, man. Y'all see how emotional I am? It's been a long road. It's been a long journey, man. It's been a lot of bumpy roads, man. But I wouldn't not change it for anything, man. First by the Hall of Famer. Other other than serving the man upstairs and loving my family, man, this is the best that they can ever give me, man. First ballot, man. I don't know what else you I can say. The other thing he said, it was, it was pr- pretty shortly after that. He said... And I'm kind of paraphrasing here. We're entertainers. And our job on the field was, to, I, I think they asked him, you know, what does it mean to be a you know, first ballot Hall of Famer? And he said, it's not, he goes, I never played for the jacket. I never, like, I'm I'm super happy that I got in and it you know, obviously means a lot and it validates his career. But he said, I never played for the jacket. That wasn't why I played for 14 years. We're entertainers. Like, I enjoyed entertaining people. And that's what we're doing right now on this set. We're a bunch of former players, and and we're here to entertain. Mm-hmm. And so people ripped on him for squirting water bottles and for doing all these things and mooning the crowd. And and it wasn't like he put strategic thought into all those instances. I'm going to entertain the audience by th- squirting a squirt bottle at yeah, an official, which right? Which is pretty stupid. Yep. It is. So I'm not defending all of his behavior. But I am defending the fact that he doesn't take the sport, which is really just an entertainment platform, as seriously in terms of like the self-importance and there's a lot of media guys and even some fans and a lot of coaches and, and the commissioner Roger Goodell that put this like sacred shield label on everything. And Randy Moss was a fun loving player. He's one of the most fun players to watch. He's one of the most entertaining analysts right now on TV. And I really like the fact that he highlighted this is an entertainment platform we're talking about here. And that's what I was most interested in. He's among the most interesting people I've uh, covered and I've seen because he was he wasn't a fun loving player for a long time. He was very angry and and he put up a, a very gruff exterior. He wouldn't let people close because he he is actually an emotional guy. Um but the the way that he evolved as a player and person to me is really intriguing because he always was very smart. And the one thing, though, was he was never going to be told what to do. 
He was never the whole I the whole thing going back to, to the Sid column of I play when I want to play was based on this. Merle Hodge came out because I believe I was doing the media column at the time, and Merle Hodge came out, and and this is before watching film was super popular, at least in the mainstream press. And I was talking to Hodge, and he's like, "I'm upset with Moss." And I said, "Why?" He said, "This game against the Bears, he doesn't he does not run his routes all the time." And then that caught fire, and so people started to pick it up that, "Oh my God, he doesn't run." And at that time, people were like, "This can't be. He he must play hard all the time." And when Sid went to him to get that quote, Sid was trying to let Moss say, oh, no, I play hard. And Moss like, no, I play when I want to play. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not going to be the primary guy on some routes, guess what I'm going to do? Not much. But that was him. And and so for him now to be at the point of his life where I think the exterior that he put up for so long is at least a little bit gone, and he's intelligent and articulate. And I mean, in, in my wildest dreams, Phil, when he got done playing— there is no way that I I would have looked at Randy Moss and said he's going into TV. No way. And so, just him as a person, forget the fact that he is a first ballot Hall of Fame great player, but just him as a person is so intriguing. And by the way, too, congratulations, the forty eight person Hall of Fame committee got it right this time. You got To in, you got Moss in. You had a great day on Saturday. I saw Brian Urlacher downtown Minneapolis on Saturday too. Did you? I I, I didn't recognize him at first because he's got the full head of hair now. Yeah, it's very odd, by the Uh, way. But I I did see him wandering around. And Ray Lewis gets in. So two of the all-time great linebackers. They picked everyone they should have, I think, this time. And then uh, they finally give credit to one of the legendary Green Bay Packer offensive linemen too back in the day. So all right, let's take a quick call before we get into our conversation with Maureen Bausch, CEO of the Super Bowl Committee. Howard, what's going on, man? I'm going to paraphrase a friend of ours, the best that was, the best that is, and maybe the best that ever will be is Randy Moss. And you want to look at one stat. He played with Brady for two years. And what was it, 36 touchdowns in, in two years? It was yeah, 23 in one season. 23 and 13 the next, and he played four games the next year. You look at the rest of the quarterbacks he played with, they were all below average. And I don't want to take away anything from for most of these guys, but Dante Culpepper was not a good quarterback. Randall Cunningham had one decent year. Uh, Collins was not a good quarterback. Now let's look who Rice had. Oh, let's say he had Young. He had Montana. Let's look who T.O. had. Well, he had Romo. He had McNabb. And Garcia had a great year. There is no quarterback that Randy played with besides Brady that will ever be in the Hall of Fame, except that he's coming to clean up afterwards. Yeah, it's amazing. Howard, uh, I, I agree with Howard, and I'll add to what he just said. So Tom Brady is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. If not, you're splitting hairs, and he's top three, right? You could say Joe Montana, but I think most people would say he's the greatest quarterback of all time. His second-best season is 39 touchdowns in 2011 which is 11 touchdown passes behind his 2007 season when Randy Moss was there, breaking the single-season touchdown record. That dude threw for 50 touchdowns, 9 yards per attempt, mm-hmm. and averaged a touchdown on every one of every 10 throws Yep, in 2007. Yeah, it was incredible. And so you took an already all-time great quarterback with multiple, multiple Super Bowl rings, and you add Randy Moss... So Brady's out here elevating all these other receivers, right? And then you add Randy Moss to take it all to a new level, and you get an undefeated season. Mm-hmm. Now they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl, but pretty incredible. 
Um, let's come back here and let's recap just an incredible week in the Twin Cities. Most things went off without any problems. Let's go behind the curtain, though, with the CEO of the Minnesota Super Bowl host committee, Maureen Bosch. When we come back, it's Mackie and Judd. But first, we're staring at a 55-inch TV here. It's a TCL Roku TV. And uh, it's uh, it's 4K picture resolution, so you can pretty much see every grain of dirt on a baseball diamond, every pellet on a football field. Uh, it, it's If you're not watching sports on a TCL TV, you're missing out. You get the, the connected Roku device with thousands of streaming channels. And just as a throw-in here, TCL is making a great offer for the 1,500 ESPN audience to watch the Timberwolves in the most coveted new premium seating area in the Target Center Arena. We're talking TCL theater boxes with dramatic views, a VIP experience, five-star cuisine, a lounge area, oversized chairs. You can win four tickets to see the Wolves and Grizzlies on March 26th by just going to 1500ESPN.com and entering the keyword TCL. Or you can stop into any major local retailer and test drive, so to speak, a TCL TV for yourself. Mackie and Judd now continue. Now back to more sports than you can handle. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. We knew this would come down to the wire. At the very end, we knew who we were playing against. But guess what? We won. That's all that matters. I'm so happy. I've been waiting for this all my life. This is great, man. My body's shaking. I'm so excited for Philadelphia. This is a great time for us. We deserved it. We're picking up some hoodies. We're picking up some pennants. We are so excited. We're finally Super Bowl champs. It doesn't feel real at all right now. No, 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 no. Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. Yes, we won. We won the f***ing Super Bowl. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. We f***ing won the f***ing Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Kobe Bryant, noted Eagles fan. He was very, very happy. Just freaking out. Before we talk to the CEO of the Minnesota Super Bowl host committee, just one quick thing off our conversation earlier um, about just like tie-ins to the Vikings here. The Packers are always going to be the long-term rival of the Vikings. There's always just going to be border battle animosity and division animosity. And as long as Aaron Rodgers is in the NFL and you know able to throw a football, you're going to have a challenge on your hands. So I'm, the Packers are going to be your main long-term rival. I think the Eagles are public enemy number one right now, though, for the Vikings. Fletcher Cox, after the game, rightfully so, you can't disagree with him on this, said, I think we own the state of Minnesota now. The Eagles not only just stuck a flag in the ground here, a championship flag in the ground of your stadium, their fans made your lives miserable inside their stadium a few weeks ago, and they smoked you in that game by multiple touchdowns, and they're not going away. Because they've got Carson Wentz or Nick Foles, whatever yep. they want to do, they could, you know, they just want a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Uh, so I think short term and Eagles are on the schedule for next year. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting short term rivalry here with Philadelphia, much like sometimes you see with, you know, like the like the Wolves and the Kings for a couple of years, where you just get the, these out of division rivalries based on yeah. playoff matchups. I think it'll be fun. Um... And and I think that the the hatred towards Eagles fans is real. I don't know you're going. I don't know how much um, animosity you can build up towards them as a team because, as I said, they're likable. So if now there's there's going to be fans who just hate their fans, and so that's it. 
But if you're really talking about franchises here, I don't know because this is not. I mean, Wentz and Foles are really nice guys, as far as I, I can tell. So it's going to be interesting, though, because my guess is that there's a very good chance that your opening game next year is going to be in Philadelphia on Thursday night. It's going to be the Vikings and Eagles, right? It makes some sense. I could also see Patriots and Vikings because that's another team that's on your schedule. But to keep that rivalry alive, I mean, the Vikings yeah. haven't played the Patriots in a meaning like a meaningful game, and I mean. Regular season stuff, but that's yeah, right. whatever. That doesn't mean much. Yeah, yeah I think that makes yep. the most sense. Well, that's what they did too in 2010. Mm-hmm. Week one was started with a, a loss at the Superdome. Yep, a revenge matchup, that's, and the Vikings couldn't move the ball. They couldn't do anything in that game. That started the entire that that was uh, step one of what was a complete spiral into oblivion and hell, yeah. basically. You for thought, a full season. You kind of thought, you know, your wishful thinking was all right. Hey, Super Bowl hangover for the Saints. Vikings are going to come back, and it's not going to be full revenge, but hey, it's going to be a feel-good week one win while they're collecting their Super Bowl rings, and it was the opposite. It was this red flag, oh my God, this is not the same team as we saw and they had, nine months ago. And they had uh, drug uh, Favre out of mothballs, if you recall, and so Favre had just gotten there, and he played in the game. Yeah. And you watch that game, and that's that was the game where you're like, oh, this might not exactly go according to plan. Yeah. Uh, the NFC right now, and the Vikings get you know almost all these teams on their schedule for next year. The NFC is absurdly good right now. And it's not just a bunch of mediocre teams. This is, there might only be like one legit tank contender, like a number one overall draft pick contender. I mean, maybe the Bears, but here's the list of what you have in the NFC aside from the Vikings. World champion Eagles. You got Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson both lurking, having missed the playoffs last year. Two of the great quarterbacks of this era. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees going back to a loaded New Orleans team. He reiterated multiple times that he wants to end his career in New Orleans over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Atlanta and Matt Ryan. The upstart Rams and the upstart 49ers. Who, by the way, Vegas Sportsbooks had the 49ers as one of the top 10 most likely teams to win the Super Bowl next year with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Haven't even mentioned Cam Newton, Matthew Stafford, Eli Manning and Pat Shermer working together, Odell Beckham Jr. coming back in New York, or the Cowboys, by the way, who went 13-3 and just a year ago. So who are the weak teams? Cardinals, possibly? But what if they find a quarterback? No, but I'm saying if you look at this and say, let's pick out the weak teams, the potential weak teams, maybe the Cardinals are weak. Bears? Uh, Tampa Bay, I don't know. Yeah, Tampa Bay, I'd play on that. I think the Bears are going to be improving. I think the Bears, look at the Bears' defense, which was not awful. And if Trubisky, now now this is a big if, but if Trubisky starts to come around a little bit, I'm not saying that the Bears are a playoff team. I I think they're a few years away from that, but the Bears could be on the the, going up the hill, not down the hill. But think about like all the teams, you know, even if you, let's take out the Cardinals, let's take out the Bears, and let's take out the the Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. And you're left with the other 13 teams. It's ridiculous. You got to, more than half those teams are going to miss the playoffs next year. Yes. Uh, So it's, it's, you're going to have, you're going to have so much work cut out for you to get back to the point where you can get revenge in and the playoffs on on a team like the right Eagles. Right now, you have to find a quarterback. Yes. Which is why our reckless speculation is completely justified on a daily basis on this very program. We we can go deeper on this maybe on tomorrow's show, but just real quick, off the top of your head, does Nick Foles' performance against the Vikings and also against the Patriots, which reflects his performance from four years ago when the system was right uh, when he threw 27 touchdowns, that was two picks. Chip Kelly and Shermer, right? It was, yes. And then he went dormant there. Yeah. There, there was reason to doubt him, obviously. And then he pops back up in the two biggest games of his life. Mm-hmm. Would he be on your radar? Like, should he be on your radar now, even though he wasn't three weeks ago? 
You'd have to trade for should, him. Should he be on it? Yes. Uh, am, am I going to give up what Philadelphia wants? Probably not. And then, he, but here's the thing: if you're the Eagles, you absolutely positively do not move Nick Foles until you're sure about when Carson Wentz comes back. Yeah, we can expand on that. Maybe uh, more reckless speculation oh, tomorrow. There's plenty more to get to tomorrow. So uh, let's check in here. Marine Bosch is the CEO of the Minnesota Super Bowl Host Committee, and we, you know, we've Marine. We first of all, thank you for joining us, and we've been on since nine o'clock and. Uh, Jub was at the game. We both experienced pretty much everything there was over the past 10 days, and it seems like rave reviews for the entire 10-day stretch and the entire lead-up. So what are your what are your general thoughts, the reaction that you're getting, and uh, now that it's all over and the torch has been passed to Atlanta, uh, the floor is yours, Maureen. Oh, well, we, we've heard nothing but wonderful things. So hopefully we were able to showcase Minnesota to the world in the best possible light. They seem to be having a having a great time. The colder it got, the more people came outside. So that's a good <laughs> a good sign. And we heard our, our my favorite comment was, "Wasn't it perfect when it started to snow and the performers went on anyway?" And I, I think they had a good time in Minnesota. And hopefully, they walked away with with um, um, more information than it's just cold here. So when when the game got done, uh, was there a feeling of Ah, it's finally done, or was there a feeling of that you had worked so hard that it was sort of a what's next feeling? Well, I think for for everyone, including our ten thousand volunteers, there was a feeling of euphoria because we really didn't have many issues at all throughout the week. Everything came across as we had planned. Um, at least, you know, in front of there's always behind the scenes things that you're juggling, but for the most part, it, it was executed as we had designed it. And so, as, as exhausted as you are, you're you're extremely happy with the results. Yeah, Marie, what was the as far as logistics and planning and things behind the scenes that maybe we don't see, uh, you know, on the outside looking in? What was the most difficult thing to juggle in the either this last week or in the weeks leading up? Well, we have, as, as the NFL will tell you, this is probably the most complicated Super Bowl they've, they've put together just because we're, we're a very tight campus. And with the cold weather, everything had to be in indoor-outdoor kind of experience. You couldn't leave people outdoors too long, so you always had to have an indoor option. And we, as a, we, St. Paul, Minneapolis, and Bloomington work very well together on a regular basis. And it's a tight, a tight, uh, geographic community. So that all was great, but we did work extensively in all three cities, Mall of America, where the media was and the teams were, um, and then St. Paul, many concerts and parties and opening night, uh, Taste of the NFL, and then Minneapolis Live and Experience and, and many more, and of course the stadium. So getting people around, I think we really tried to use every minute of our 10-day festival, starting with the opening of the zip line, which seems like eons ago. It was only 10, you know, 10 days ago. Are we going to keep that? Can we keep that? Do we have to take that down? Gosh, we wish we didn't have to take it down, but I think <laughs> okay. they had, they were so successful. I, I do think you'll see them again here, uh, maybe next winter or maybe in the summer. Who knows? But I think everybody in Minneapolis loves flying over the Mississippi. Everyone in Minnesota, I should say. Um, and then we ended, you know, the capstone of Levi LaValle on his Polaris snowmobile doing that epic jump at the end of Nicollet Mall. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, our our favorite sons in Minnesota, came home to 
put on 10 days of the most amazing music. So, you know, it just, and our sponsors, you know, all of their activations were so innovative and really entertaining that uh, I don't think you could help but have a good time. What uh, concerned you the most going in? What was the main thing where you were either a little bit hesitant or skeptical uh, of if, if it could be pulled off and ultimately it worked out fine? You know, I think we had some very um, state-of-the-art security um, programs and things that hadn't been tried before, um, and we really had used experts to design them. So safety and security is always our top priority, um, and we kept the clip mall open. And, you know, you didn't go through magnetometers or wands, but um, the security program was probably more intense than any other market. Um, and it, from from entering Mall of America, again, a free and open building, uh, Nicollet Mall, we kept free and open. And it really did work well. It worked amazingly well. Yeah. So I think from that point of view, I think the plans um, were well done and well executed. Uh, Maureen, do you believe Darren Ravel's tweet from the weekend that this will be the last Super Bowl in Minnesota because the cold weather keeps too much corporate sponsorship money away? No, absolutely not. I don't think there was any corporate sponsorship money left on the table, to tell you the truth. They came, they had a ball, they told us they had a ball, and I think they'll be back again. I mean, well, I would be shocked if we didn't if we didn't bid on it um, within the next, you know, five to eight years. We know where the next four are. Mm-hmm. And so those are our, we can't do anything for four years. But I bet after after that, you'll see Minnesota in play again. Yeah. And it's our people. It's because of the volunteers, the welcome they were given, the, every single moment from the time they landed to the time they took off, uh, I think they realized how much Minnesota enjoyed having them. How did, did you get those people to smile constantly? I've never <laughs> seen so many happy people doing something for free in my life, Maureen. <laughs> That hysterical. I just, I don't know. They are absolutely the most wonderful group, uh, and they loved their uniforms. and And uh, Target did such a great job designing them. Cub did a great job training them, and I think um, they were just selected because they loved Minnesota and they loved talking about it. But I'm telling you, I wish, I wish I could stay connected to them every day because they're that special. You stationed a guy by the bathroom in the mall, and he smiled the whole time. <laughs> You know, you know, you've had a rousing success when bathroom guy is happy the entire time. Congratulations on that. Uh, you know, it, and they 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 had to stand outside, and I was very worried about them. And um, we rotated them in the skyways and then outside, you know, so they didn't have to be outside too long because it was so cold. But people would volunteer to go outside and stand. They loved it. Yeah. The the other cool thing too is, uh, and, and by the way, Marine Bosch is our guest, the CEO of the Minnesota Super Bowl host committee. You know, U.S. Bank Stadium is this one point two billion dollar you know structure in downtown Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and the fact that the Twin Cities and Bloomington included, there are enough big time facilities to host all of these concerts and events and media things. You didn't even have to use the stadium until the actual game. Uh, right. So to have all the arenas and the NFL Honors event, I thought I, I just thought it was such a cool display. And maybe I'm being super provincial by doing this, but I just think almost everything other than the snow and the cold, and if that's what you know, if, if you were shocked by that, then you know you obviously have never heard of Minnesota before. But with all the venues and all the celebrities, and we had heard Marine that there were 1,500 private jets 
They were trying to find runway space over the weekend. Um, that's just an insane amount of logistics. So thank you. <laughs> and it was super fun for everybody. Oh, good. I'm, I'm thrilled that you had a good time. That was the goal. Maureen Bosch, thank you, CEO Maureen. Appreciate of the Minnesota the Congratulations. Bye, Maureen. Thank you. All right. Let's, uh, that was awesome. And it was good insight. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm being like Mr. Homer guy, Minnesota. The, the, well, they did a they good like job. They like us. They, they really like they us. But a, I, I'm pleasantly surprised with how well everything went off the last job. 10 days. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an event where, as, as I said, as far as the things you can't control, you have to say, bleep it. It's not our problem. Correct. But as far as the things that you can't control, they, they did, did a very good job. And as I took the uh, shuttle bus back to the mall last night, around 11.30 or 12, there were still small private airplanes taking off. Yeah, so Getting you, the hell so out of you parked at the Mall of America. I parked at the mall and took and took the shuttle bus to the stadium. But as I returned, there were still private planes taken off from uh, left and right from Signature. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like could you imagine just like your first world problem of calling in a little too late, calling in on Wednesday if you're Steph Curry and saying, "Oh, I just want to make sure that yeah. I can get a reservation." Like, oh, actually, our private jet runway space is all booked here at Flying Cloud. So, but I'm Steph Curry. Okay, yeah. we'll make room for you. <laughs> Uh, Dave, what kind of questions are you going to throw at us next? Super Bowl related, as you can imagine. All right. And uh, before we go anywhere, we're going to talk about the best car dealership in the Twin Cities on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. It's Luther Brookdale Toyota. And I'm going to keep telling you about the brand new 2018 RAV4s because it's great driving for this time of year when you have the luxury of four-wheel drive, spaciousness, all of... The brand new safety features that Toyota is putting in its vehicles, uh, the Entune system with a touchscreen and connectivity. I mean, you can you can book a dinner reservation from inside your vehicle on the touchscreen. Uh, it's pretty incredible. And the app screen. So go in, stop in on your way home from work tonight. Open until nine o'clock and ask for a test drive. Make sure you talk to Paula or Tony or Badu. And if you have to get service or if you're interested in why Luther Brookdale Toyota is the best service department in the Twin Cities, talk to Dwayne, Jeremy, Steve. Uh, you can pretty much talk to anybody and say that Phil Mackey and his family sent you over there. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com as well. Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey. He's pretty irreplaceable for us. He does a lot of things that go unnoticed. Judd Zolgad. Such a good dude. I have the utmost respect for him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Mackey and Judd, Dave Harrigan has some questions to hurl our direction. I sure do. And the first one is, I guess, more specific to Judd since he was in the stadium yesterday. I've never attended a Super Bowl. Phil, you've never attended a Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. Judd? This is my first. That was your very yes. first. So we've all spent lifetimes watching the game on TV. We certainly know what that is all about. Game, commercials, halftime show. I want to know about the in-stadium experience. Not mm-hmm. specific to the game yesterday, but just about attending a Super Bowl, Judd, live and in person for the very first time. If I were to ask you what your number one takeaway of going to a Super Bowl live at the stadium was, what is it? Atmosphere not nearly as corporate as I believed it would be. I thought it would feel sort of stodgy a little bit. A lot of rich people with jewelry, you know, they're nice, they're nice watches and 
rings on and basically saying, you those know, people with their no, nice watches. No, it's uh, time. It's time for the Super Bowl, lovey. You know, let's let's all watch the game, lovey. <laughs> you know, God, Thurston Howell the third. I thought it would feel a little bit stodgy. It didn't. It was fa- it was a great fan experience. It was fantastic. Uh, as I said, the Ox press box was up in the uh, up in the uh, top row there, or the top uh, of the stadium, and it was filled with Eagles fans, some Patriots fans. It was electric. It was very cool, and that's why I said I was completely wrong. If the Vikings had been in that game, that would have been a Viking stadium. Are you more happy that the atmosphere was as it turned out to be, or upset that you were wrong about it? Loved it. I'm over. I'm ecstatic. I'm really glad. Because I really thought I really thought it would just come off as this sort of you know this was the Super Bowl and we don't care, um, but between all of the Eagles and Patriots fans that did get tickets and, and the fact that the league does a very good job of trying to make it almost a home game for both teams, I was ecstatic. It was way yeah. more fun than I expected. I would say like I was I thought it was cool and also in some ways, you know I I don't know if I would do this uh, like people who came. And saved up maybe years worth of money, vacation money. I talked to some different people who literally saved up thousands of dollars in case the Eagles were to ever go to one, or uh, a couple Patriots fan friends that were in town. And the same thing for them. Like they don't, they're not making life changing money at their work. I mean, they're living a comfortable life, but they're not making you know millions of dollars at work. And they said, yeah. I got a budget in mind, and I and I'll stretch for this game because I want to see Tom Brady when I want to see Tom. I want to see Tom, Tom Brady, Brady. when his sixth ring. So it was definitely, but then again, the the amount of celebrities in this town and big name athletes that were just wandering around. I don't know about you guys, but I saw, in addition to Radio Row, where there's just everyone, like I saw Tony Baselli in the Skyway again. And we saw him on Radio Row, but I saw mm-hmm. Tony Baselli in the Skyway. I ran into Brian Erlacher in the IDS Center. Mm-hmm. I probably ran into like 10 or 15, just, just around downtown Minneapolis as you're walking around, if you just pay attention. I'm, I was, in this case, very glad to be wrong. All right. Well, then uh, let's go to this since it's it's come and gone. Super Bowl 52, it's been here. We've lived through it. We've made it through the other end, boys. How often would you like a Super Bowl in this town? And is there another big event, sporting or otherwise, that you want to see in Minnesota that you haven't seen? <laughs> uh, well, you guys know my stance on WrestleMania. Now, I've seen WrestleMania, but I've never seen it in the Twin Cities because yes. it's never been in the Twin Cities. So that would be number one on the list for me. And if, hey, if if Maureen Bosch is correct, the CEO of the host committee, she was just on with us last segment, and she kind of laughed off the notion of Darren Ravel's tweet that it'll never come back to the Twin yeah. Cities. She said, oh, there was plenty of corporate money being spent, and we're probably going to put another bid in, and we, we know where the next four Super Bowls are going to be. We'll probably start bidding again between five and eight years from now. If the Super Bowl came to town every five to eight years, that would be awesome. I think that'd be great if it was if it was part of some like secondary rotation. Like Judd said, if you got the Miamis and the New Orleans and the standard warm weather spots, Atlanta might be one of them because they have a new stadium and it's warm weather. And then like once every eight to ten years in that mix, it's Indianapolis or or New York if they had an Hit outdoor us up one. Once right? a decade would be yeah. nice. Once every ten Just years not would be Detroit. great. No Detroit. Except for Detroit. We're done with Detroit. Yeah. yeah that's good for them. Bad idea. Yeah. Uh, I think if you could get the Super Bowl here every once every 20 years, that's fine. Um, I would I would take out Detroit, gone. Indianapolis is a really good convention town. I think we've exceeded it, though. 
I think if you're going to go, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is, is going to happen, I don't believe it will, but I think if you're going to go to one cold, wet weather spot, we're the best. Because if you're going to be cold, just be cold, and we do a really good job. Yeah. And you can count on us. There's going to be, there's not going to be screw ups. Um, as far as events go, I'll tell you one. I, I'll tell you one that I think should be here way more often th- than it is now, given the ballpark and given how good we are with big events the baseball all star game. I would put the baseball all star game here once every, I don't know, let's be fair, 15 years. Can't find better weather, middle, middle of no, July. But I mean, we are, we, the baseball all star game is the definition of when we thrive. Good weather, as you just said, great ballpark, and, and as far as our downtown and events, we're fantastic at that. Baseball All-Star Game should be here a lot more often. All right, let's talk football for the final question. Pull up your standings, uh, boys, because if you remember, the 2016 Philadelphia Eagles were a 7-9 and nine bunch by the end of the year. Obviously missed the playoffs, and they bounce back to win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to say 8-8 eight and eight or worse for teams 2017 boys all right look for eight and eight or worse okay i'm gonna give you a hundred bucks and head to vegas right now with that hundred bucks are you splitting it up on teams are you mm. putting a hundred on a which team to pop up from eight and eight or worse and win themselves a super bowl 2018 well into 2019 i suppose mm-hmm. judd i'm going to go i hate to do it but it makes too much sense if the Green Bay Packers bum, bum, truly have a new philosophy and go out and get some defense on the open market, which, by the way, they can afford to do. Might not have their quarterback, though. Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. You want to keep him as happy as possible. They were 7-9 and nine last year, and after Aaron got hurt, they were a dumpster fire. But that franchise, in this league where you can change things very quickly— Changing the Green Bay Packers from a 7-9 dumpster fire to having a Hall of Fame, generationally great quarterback uh, back on the field for you, I probably would put most of my money on the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers would be tough. Uh, So let's say that you you took the Packers and I'm left with, with the other teams. Sure. I would put money on these four teams. I'd sprinkle a little bit of money on the Colts if Andrew Luck comes back and his arm is fine. I don't know if the rest of the roster is going to be ready, but Andrew Luck is worth betting on just himself. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'd sprinkle a little bit of money over here on the Broncos in case they were to sign like a Kirk Cousins with that defense. Mm-hmm. But the bulk of my money I would put on these two teams, the Texans and the AFC, and even uh, Odds Shark or whatever the – the publication Dave pointed out earlier in the show, the Texans are one of the top 10 favorite teams to win the Super Bowl next year. Number eight. Number eight on that list. Uh, Deshaun Watson was MVP caliber for five or six weeks, and then he got injured. J.J. Watt's going to come back, so you, and he's still in his prime. And the other team I would put money on finished 5-0, and including 44 points against the best defense in the NFL. Niners? They won a bunch of games down the stretch, the 49ers. Yeah, Garoppolo. But we would have laughed at this question last year if you would have said Philadelphia Eagles. We would have said, I mean, maybe to make the playoffs. The, the Niners are the Niners are going to be good. They're extremely He's a great offensive coach well coached. with a quarterback now who yes. he was gifted yes. by his friend Bill Belichick. And a lot of their losses, so they were 0-9 like to start the season. So people looked at them and said, oh, my God. But competitive, right? They lost Overtime games at Arizona, overtime game at Indianapolis. Yep. They got beat at Washington 26 to 24. They lost at Seattle 12 to 9. So it was like they were losing all these games by a field goal in mm-hmm. overtime. 
to the Seahawks road games. And that was know. with and that was with crappy quarterbacks. Yeah. So now let's let's one. say they're Owen. So they finished with six wins actually. So they finished six and ten. Uh-huh. Let's say that two of those losses earlier in the year, like at Arizona, these overtime losses or the twelve nine loss against Seattle. They played a close game against Arizona later in the year too. Let's give them like another win or two in, in seven and nine or eight and eight. You'd for sure look at that and say, "Holy crap! Yeah, that team with a quarterback now is ready to pop." So this conf- put some money on this him. conference next year. Making the playoffs can be very difficult next year. It's going to be ridiculous. Even more reason to be a hundred percent sure about whoever your quarterback is in two thousand eight. I do think the Vikings are well coached enough to figure it out sure. and to be competitive. But if things don't go right for for you. I mean, Dallas, as you said earlier in the show today, went from 13-3 and three to out of the playoffs. Yep. And Things it wasn't because well they— for them. Right. And it wasn't—I mean, they played a tougher schedule, and they were still competitive. Yes. Let's come back here and finish up with some Ask Mackie and Judd. we got some emails we want to get into. But if you want to chime in about anything Super Bowl, non-sports, Ask Mackie and Judd on Twitter, at Phil Mackie, at 1500ESPN Judd, or email us, Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com, or 651-646-8255. Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, press play. On 1500 ESPN. Did you purchase a Garage Logic 25th anniversary pint glass? Listen up. The next round of pickup dates has been set. The 1500 ESPN promo team will be in the front lobby of our Hubbard Broadcasting building Thursday the 8th, coming up from 11 to 2, and then Friday the 9th from 8, excuse me, in the morning until 11. You will need to have your vouchers or a valid ID to claim your glasses. You'll also receive your free town hall pint when you come. More details on the Garage Logic and 1500 ESPN Facebook pages. Oh, what's going on, Philadelphia? That is so disgusting. Eat it. You don't that, want to know what that guy was eating in Philadelphia. Is so disgusting. It was some horse waste. For Sal Palantonio, though, to go on ESPN radio this morning and say, you know, that's why there was no violence. That's why there was no damage on Broad Street because yeah. Philadelphia fans. And then you start to read these stories. <laughs> when a hotel awning collapses, because you got 12 people on that, okay? That's not like restrained celebration. They lit some things on fire and yeah. they broke some some Macy's windows and, and I don't they know. stole a police horse. Let's do some Ask Mackie and Judd to wrap up here. <sighs> Starting with uh, our guy Roderick emailed us a few questions here uh, this morning. Let's get to a couple of these and we can take a couple phone calls here. 651 646 8255. He asked, Your thoughts on Radio Row? Was it more fun or frustrating? Would you want to do it again next year? What would you change? So this was, you and I had never done Radio Row before. Because mm-hmm. our first of all, the Vikings are never in the Super Bowl. So we're not as incentivized to travel to sure. other cities. Absolutely. And our station, we've been around as a brand for eight years. You've been here for seven. I've been here for all eight. And we have done a – our bosses send us to training camp for two weeks. They send us to Fort Myers in bulk. Yep. So we prioritize our travel budget a little bit differently. I would say Radio Row was one of the most fun weeks of radio I've ever done in my career. It was, But it was also like take a nap when you get done because your brain oh, is exhausting. about to explode. Yeah, my only my only suggestion would, would be, and I believe that in uh, different places it's been bigger, my only criticism whatsoever would be it was way too tight. 
but that's because I kept getting hit by guys' jackets. Because Russell Wilson kept brushing yeah. the back of your neck. But as far as Travis Kelsey kept stepping on my feet. As a radio station, it is uh, that is a gold mine. I mean, you're being offered up good guests constantly. Yeah, so and, and I really the, enjoy it. The one thing that drives me nuts, I saw. I won't say his name, but I there was a fairly high profile local radio host in a different market, and I saw him. There was an article on a Barrett Sports Media website. Asking a bunch of radio hosts, you know, is there value in going to Radio Row? You know, in your station, spending the money to go there. And this guy says, honestly, I don't think it's valuable because when you're getting a guest for on his 15th interview, a celebrity or a football player, and he's mostly mailing it in after his 15th interview, I call BS. Like, those guys are, if you have fun with them, there was a couple of guys that came over and clearly they had done a million interviews. But I think you and I just said, let's make it fun. Let's have them, let's... Let's BS with them during the commercial break, and let's bring personality out for our audience to hear. It was a lot hear. of fun. I agree, yes. So hopefully that came out with people. By the way, since we're reading Roderick's questions, let's just get Roderick on the phone. Hi, Roderick. Hey, Roderick. What's Hello. up? We're Hello. just reading your uh, email questions. Go ahead. I, I appreciate it. I'll add one more. Now that the Super Bowl and the NFL season is over with, what are you looking most forward to talking about until the, um, I'll say, until training camp starts? Is it the Twins, the Timberwolves, or the Wild? I'm eliminating NFL offseason because I know that would win. <laughs> You're right. So, what about, what about go, for, go for basketball pushing for the NIT? Yeah, any anything non-football related, what are you looking most forward to talking about between now and the beginning of training camp? I'll say this. The Wolves. The Wolves are going to make the playoffs. The Wolves are pretty good. Uh I am really curious to see this town when, when it, it wraps its collective head around the fact that the Wolves are in the playoffs. Because I still think we don't believe it, and I don't think we're, we're going to believe it until a playoff, a playoff series for the Wolves starts. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to embracing what, what I think is going to be at least a fun blip playoff-wise by the Wolves. So I'm going to say, so I love, I love talking Wolves on this show. And, and thanks, Roderick. I love talking Wolves on this show. But... I think the Twins have a path to actually win the World Series if they do things right. If they were to sign even like an Alex Cobb, maybe make a trade at the deadline, they've shored up their bullpen, they've got a lineup that can compete, and you don't have to be the best team to win the World Series. You can get in. Go go get in. Get in again and see what happens and have a better bullpen. Hockey like in that sense. It is. Because the Wolves 100% cannot win the championship, they just like they're not going to beat Golden State in a seven-game sure. series. It buzz kills it a little bit, but not a lot because it just getting to the playoffs right. is going to be fun. But I think the fact that there's a 0% chance of them winning the championship makes it a little bit but curbed for me. It's been 13 years. For sure. It's like going to be first, fun. A first-round home playoff game is going to be like, oh, my gosh, they finally did it. Yes. Uh, so we are going to talk more Wolves, and we're going to sprinkle in more things, but plenty more reckless speculation on the Vikings quarterback There's situation. a Kirk Cousins conversation to be had tomorrow. Yes. Bright and early. We'll do that. Um yeah, if you missed any of our stuff from last week, too, all available on demand. Mackie and Judd Show page, 1500ESPN.com. We'll see you guys tomorrow.